Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Now, if McDonald's has a burger, then we in the hair and beauty industry have teams. So you're probably thinking like, well, what the heck does that mean? Why has McDonald's got anything to do with the hair and beauty industry? Well, what it means is that in the hair and beauty, the hair and beauty business model that we all work in revolves around humans. And if you think about it, we sell time. We sell time of humans, human time. And that's where it all starts. I actually like to think of it as this. As CEO, our teams are actually our clients. How we nurture and treat our teams will be reflected in how our teams nurture and treat our clients. Because of this, it's important as the CEO to ensure that you cultivate an amazing team culture, one that's specific and unique to your business. So in this episode, I'm joined by Tom White. Now, Tom is the co-owner and education director of Ruby Hair in Melbourne and an international educator for Evo and Men's Australian Hairdresser of the Year. This guy knows what he's talking about. And we're going to cover a, a, a bit of a range of topics from being the best boss, hashtag best boss, to team management, culture, the ins and outs of the hair and beauty industry as a whole. Now, Tom believes when it comes to our teams, culture is key. And more than that, there are two key ingredients within culture that you'll need to nail in order for your team's culture to truly be amazing and outstanding. So I love this episode. Tune in to hear Tom's two secret ingredients to culture, plus a whole lot more chitter chatter that's highly valuable. Now let's dive in. Can't wait for you to meet Tom. Tom, welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Really pleased to have you here joining me today. My pleasure for having me. Thanks for having me on. Now, look, for those that don't know who you are, where you come from, why don't you start with a little bit of a backstory, high-level view of, like, who are you? How did you get into the industry? What are you doing right now? Okay, so, um, as you said, my name's Tom White. I'm originally from England. I moved to Australia about 10 years ago, and I'm the co-owner and education director of Ruby Hair here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I also work for a company called Evo. I'm one of the international educators there, and I'm currently Men's Australian Hairdresser of the Year. Um, I got into hairdressing back in 2008. Um, I suppose the way I got into hairdressing, I really fell into it. Into it. I was more of a, an academic at school. I wasn't. I've never been creative. I'm still not creative. But um, I, had a, I had a real big ego. I was very entitled. I had a real lack of understanding of life, and I had zero accomplishment. And I, I just needed to start again. Um, so I fell into hairdressing. And I moved to Australia in 2010 and I kind of worked for different salons here and there. First started in Sydney, then moved to Melbourne. And the one burning desire I've always had, I've always wanted to be my own boss. Um, that did start from an ego point of view. And then it kind of got flipped with a couple of um, experiences I had working under people. Uh, I just wanted to help. 
and that's kind of where my desire and passion of owning businesses and doing education came from. Um, the we we've I've got two business partners in Ruby Hair. We all have a salon each, effectively. Um, we are three very very different people. We all run three very very different parts of the business. I've got Michelle, who's pretty much like our accountant, effectively our CEO. Um, Nikki <coughs> runs all the creative side of things, the creative team, the photo shoots, all that. Like I said, I look after all the education. Um, I'm very much, I'm very much an ideas man. I, I've, I was very fortunate. I learned my strengths and weaknesses very, very quickly. I'm not a CEO. I don't like when things are built. Um, I get very bored very quickly. So I'm, I'm very much a zero to three year kind of guy when businesses start or we take over. That's my favorite bit where it's challenging. You have to pivot and you have to try different things and come up with different ideas and think on your feet. That's very much my my place in business. Um, so we, we've, we've kind of, we've built, we've built, we've built an incredible brand over the last two and a half years. It's really gone from strength to strength and during the, with what we're going through at the minute with COVID-19, it, it's been, like I said to you earlier, it's been the greatest eight weeks of my life. I've learned more in the last eight weeks than I have done in two and a half years of business. And it, it's really kind of got some real big fires and obsessions starting in me. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me, I suppose. Well, look, I'm really keen to dive into these best eight weeks of your life. Like what has been the lesson? What is the opportunity? Um, and what's lighting your fire? You know what? Opportunity, that's the word that you mentioned that is so important right now. People have started to look at this as a very big downer in the world. And it's yes, there's a lot of bad things that are going to come out of this. We lost of jobs, lost of businesses, people lose their houses. It is going to be very tough. But on the flip side of that, the opportunity that's going to present itself, not just in business and work and family, and even the way we've helped protect the environment inadvertently by not going to work every day of the week, all that has just created this new opportunity of growth. <clears throat> so for me personally, and I'll be I'm very, very honest on this. I am now looking at opening two or three salons in the next year because I think there's a way that I can help keep people in jobs, not only from that side of things, but also to grow our brand properly and to expand into different areas, different regions. Um, with GFCs and financial stresses and all that, and some people are even calling it a depression that's coming along, it is very much, if you have run a solid business, lean into it you will have a solid business coming out of it um, and with that there's also <clears throat> there'll be a lot of people that are going to need our help in terms of getting businesses up back and running or even taking over to keep people in jobs it's just going to be an epic epic year ahead for the hairdressing industry i think it's exposed a lot of people who have talked a bit of crap over the last few years um, and I, once again, I think that's going to be a good thing for the industry. I think it's going to separate the people who genuinely care to the people that genuinely wanted to line their back pockets. Um, I've seen that already start to happen. I think that's going to escalate even more getting closer to Christmas. Um, so I, I, I'm so optimistic about where we're going um, in the world, but especially in the industry. And I think there's a very, very, very good opportunity to start driving people into hairdressing now. I think there's never been a clearer pathway to getting people in. Um, I we just need to advertise it properly and go about it properly the right way through social media and platforms and career advice and stuff like that. But there's such a gigantic opportunity for that right now. Okay, so there, uh, you're talking about an opportunity for new people to come into the industry to become hair or beauty service providers. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I want to really talk about that. And I know that this is something that you're passionate about. Before we switch to that topic, I just want to ask one thing. What's giving you the confidence uh, to open potentially up to three salons over the next uh, wee while? Is that driven purely by your ability to grow uh, from the underneath new team members? But is it also equally, um, is the confidence also coming from the changing or the emerging opportunity with clients and how clients actually see us as an industry and how important we are uh, to their livelihood. Like what's been your um, view on how clients are responding and what's changed inside of your business from that point of view? I think there's a, a mixture of things there. Um, <clears throat> definitely. I don't think anyone's ever going to say you're just a hairdresser anymore. I mean, I think Amen. we all, yeah, I think we all take pride in the fact that we were classed as an essential service and you know what <laughs> we bloody well are. Um, what we do for people is more than just color and cut hair. We can change people's lives in an hour and a half, two hour appointments. It's just magnificent. What the power that we have as an industry is incredible. And I don't think we've realized the power we can have on the public. Uh, we can make someone's day, week, year, or life. And I genuinely believe that. Um, so I think, yes, that's definitely one thing to come out of this. <clears throat> Me personally, my I believe my two best traits is I am the most naive person going, and mm -hmm. I am obsessed with trying to build stuff. Um, and I, I think naivety has always been seen as a negative trait in some in some respects. And let me just delve into that a little bit more and explain what I mean by that. Naivety, my naivety is based around having a very, very set goal and not letting outside distractions or opinions alter that. I believe I've got a concept and a mission that is going to be beneficial to the industry, to people and to me and my family. Um, and I've copped a lot of crap for that over the last couple of years because I, I don't like taking people's advice it's not an ego driven thing it's more that uh, the one thing I'm scared of is 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 regret I embrace failure but I, I'm terrified of regret I've seen it in people's eyes who are in their 50s 60s 70s and 80s and it honestly scares and excuse my French it scares them shit out of me it really really does um, so I have this burning desire that I have to try everything that comes into my head one way or another. Yeah, I have to sift through a little bit of crap that I make up. And some of the ideas I write down are nothing short of shocking. Mm. But that is, that's where my fire comes from. It's knowing how far I can push myself and trying to work out what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, seeing how far I can go. Um, some people call it crazy. Even my fiance thinks I'm absolutely deluded. She thinks I'm an absolute <laughs> job when it comes to this. Because I, I love it. I'm in this period where, from the moment I wake up at 4am to the moment I go to bed at 11pm at night, all I do is obsess about what my next move is and where I'm going to go. Um, it does. It comes with a lot of sacrifice. I sacrifice friendships. I sacrifice even part of my relationship with my fiance, which is very tough. Um, you sacrifice a lot, but it's all for the greater good in the end. And I truly, truly believe that. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, I love that. Um, I really resonate with this thing around um, uh, ignorance. You didn't call it ignorance at all. What did you call it? It is. Naivety is the same as ignorance. <laughs> naivety, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've thought about this often, actually. Um, kind of this willingness to be tunnel visioned and just not pay attention to anything else. I think creative entrepreneurs, there's a small bunch of people that just have that ability. And 
it can be naivety or it can be actually this entrepreneurial blessing. So amen to that. All right. Um, so I look forward to watching your uh, evolution over the next wee while. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the other side, which is uh, driving people and growing people into this industry. Um, what do you think is, are the sort of the, the core things that we need to pay attention to in terms of growing younger people? So one, we grow the industry, but also that we have, for me, it was always about a self-filling uh, employment route, I guess. Uh, and having a good strategy around that. So talk to me about um, what are those key things that we need to consider? I think when we're trying to get people into the industry and more importantly, keeping people into the industry, because there's a lot of people that start their apprenticeship that don't actually finish. And I personally think it's come down to three different things within a business, culture, education, innovation. There are three things and three values that if you have within your business, and I'm not even talking solely just salons and beauty salons at the minute. I think it's generally, that's what people are craving right now. Culture, everyone's talked about brand and brand this and brand that and brand the other. I hate brand. I think brand for me is just a name above a door and it doesn't matter what it can say. You could just be called, you could be called, I kick dirt hairdressing salon. It does not matter what really sells to potential employees and potential clients is the culture that you build. It's more about, you can't connect with a brand, you can connect with a culture. A culture is a feeling that's embodied within a business and people. And if you can find the connection there, the, the amount of people that can come into your salon, once again, clients or staff, you'll be attracting the right ones as well. And um, <clears throat> I think it's two key ingredients with the culture, empathy and nurturing. Um, empathy has been spoken about a lot over the last two years. It's kind of become a bit of a buzzword through business coaching and motivational speaking. It's kind of become the buzzword. <clears throat> and I, I think it's, it's going to be even more essential now with what we're going through that we understand that not everyone's going to react well to what's going on in this world. Um, people are going to have to be shown different ways to come back, whether it's going to be from <clears throat> mental health issues, um, financial stress, loads of different key things. But there's going to be a lot <clears throat> of that that's going to need us to be empathetic around. Nurturing, this is another one where I get a lot of pushback on this. I have a lot of people that I've educated their salons and my number one tip for the business owner will be, you need to nurture your staff more. You need to hold their hand. Whether you think it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, it doesn't actually matter. The generations that are coming through are a lot more emotional. I personally think that's a great thing because I think emotional intelligence for me is way more key than intellectual intelligence. You can teach someone how to cut a straight line. You can teach someone how to color hair. You can teach someone to do a bloody perm. You cannot teach that emotional connection that you need to be a hairdresser, to be a successful hairdresser. And when I say success, it doesn't mean that it's whether it's, um, being on a platform, educating, whether it's doing shows, whether it's winning awards, it can be just someone who wants to come to work, do their job, earn their money and go home. You need all of those components to be within a, sex, a successful business. Um, with the culture, I've found that a lot of salons are still using this blanket management strategy where they're not sitting down with each employee and working out their specific goals and career aspirations. 
that for us at Ruby Hair has worked better than anything is that we understand our staff. Um, we understand what they're wanting to get out of their career or they, some of them even class it as a job, which doesn't bother me. Like it's, that's still fine. If it's their, it's their means to make money to buy a house, I want to look at it and go, how can I help you get there as quick as possible while still keeping your integrity? Like that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's what nurturing is. It's just reaching out, helping your staff. If your staff are making more money and hitting their goals, you're making more money and hitting your goals. That way people buy into the culture of the business way quicker and way stronger. If you've got happy staff on the floor that talk to their clients about this and go, at, at Ruby Hair, our, our bosses make us, like they, they set up financial plans for us and they help us reach our goals, stuff like that. The clients then feel connected because it's a place of caring. Um, and that's something we've really, really focused on. I really love that you've brought this up, actually, because I, I too have this struggle, I guess, if you will, of uh, having the conversation around our team are not the enemy. Mm. It's almost like as employers, uh, we can often feel like the team member is the enemy. It's us against them. And why aren't they more committed to this business? Why aren't they working harder? Why aren't they doing what they're told? And it's, <laughs> it's actually, it's the wrong question. Not Agreed. why aren't they? The question needs to be flipped and say, why, uh, how can I create an environment that people want to belong to and how can I help them win? Oh, that's, I've got goosebumps. That's, that's so good. So good. Yeah, that's the question that we should be asking ourselves, right? Because the problem isn't out there. The problem's no. here mm. with us in our business and our culture. And I think you're right about this emotional intelligence that this younger generation who are coming into our industry are now are more in tune with how they're feeling. And I look at my own children and say, why couldn't I articulate when I was young? I felt like that and I didn't know it was a thing and I certainly didn't know how to voice it. My, my child is you know, telling me that, oh, I feel a bit depressed today, mum. Like what? <laughs> I only figured out when I feel depressed like two years ago. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, well when I know I can work with it. And I think that's you're right, it's a good thing that people can articulate how they're feeling. We just need to know how to respond. And that if they're having a a shit day at work, it doesn't mean that the world is over and that our worlds are crashing down as employers. Exactly. I've seen a lot of people once again especially during this time on different platforms in different social media groups different business groups turn and go around and say my staff don't want to come back to work during this time they were quite happy to sit on their ass at home and take the 750 dollars job keeper and it's always my staff my staff are doing this my staff have done this wrong and it's like that's purely and this is the the, the cleanest truth i can deliver that's your fault <laughs> If your staff aren't seeing the bigger picture and going, damn, I need to come back and work for this person. I need to come back and save this. I need to save my job, other people's jobs. That's and make because, a difference for the clients or exactly. whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's the lack of culture that's created that. It's the lack of understanding of your staff, the lack of empathy and nurture you've shown towards these people. And that's where businesses are going to falter, I think. I don't think that businesses are going to falter because clients aren't wanting to come back. They're going to falter because staff don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. So it'd be and I think that, that, yeah, the responsibility then is on us as the business owner, the salon owner. And then if you don't know how to do it, 
go and get some help because we weren't, we weren't born knowing how to run a business or to create a culture or if that's not your natural disposition, go and learn it. Mm. It's not an excuse anymore to, to blame the team, right? Oh, there's, there's a lot of people out there that can help. And I've <clears throat> went, I, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate because Michelle has been my business mentor. So I'm very, very good with ideas. I'm absolutely shocking at implementation and I'm working on it, but it's a tough thing for me to work on because I don't, want to, I don't have the patience to implement it. I just want idea after idea after idea. I want growth, growth, growth. And it's the impatience and naivety of me. So Michelle's been phenomenal because she's been able to kind of show me these ideas that I'm coming up with. This is how you can implement it. This is the ROI of it. This, do you know what I mean? That's stuff that you don't know until you've done it for a few years. I've been very fortunate. I can't, you know what? No, I take that back. I've been unfortunate enough to not fail yet in business. Mm. I, everything I've done has gone well. Everything I've done has made an impact to profitability or to happiness within the salon. Um, it's, once again, there'll be people listening to this will go, what is he on about? But I cannot wait to make that first gigantic fuck up so I can go, I can learn a lot from that right now. Um, so, yeah. Or, I, or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, I think it, that, that comes from the, the, the burning obsession to kind of keep growing. I don't think you can grow unless you fail. And I'm adamant about I, that. I've got, a, I've got a different perspective on that, Tom. I actually think that some personalities, and this might be you, actually fail all the time. You just don't see it as a failure. You see it as an opportunity and just keep smashing it out. And so... Very uh, true, actually. That could be very true. You. Yeah. High five you. This is why I love talking <laughs> to people like yourself because I've, I've already learned stuff about myself during this small time. I love this kind of stuff. Boom. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the role of education in uh, growing uh, and developing a team. Um, yeah, this is uh, no less important than culture. I think they're actually very heavily linked. Education is what people need, crave and want. Um, it, it shows personal growth, career growth. Um, also, if you're trying to, I heard something you did actually a few days ago. I saw it on the Instagram. And um, it was about attracting the right person, the right employee, and not having to kind of just hire people and hope for the best. And I think if you're projecting out that your salon is based around education and growth and making you the best you that's going to attract a certain level of stylist and a certain level of in, um, emotional intelligence and a certain level of being um, i think it's, it's it's absolutely vital right now i think there's a lot of salons over the years that have got away with not educating their team and just getting by um, i think it's going to become more and more an important part of salon just business in general actually i really do think it's going to be a massive massive part um, it's probably the most unused and underrated tool in business. As humans in general, we crave progression. Um, progression yes. comes from education. Um, and I'm not just talking about like standard skills, improving education, like cutting and colouring and all that, which is still very, very much a, a vital part of what we do. I'm talking about life skills, communication skills, financial planning, all that kind of stuff. It, 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 um, it is going to become more and more essential for our... Um, <laughs> more and more essential for our businesses going forward. Um, 
if you can set an employee a clear path of progression within your salon, you are automatically a more attractive employer and leader than anyone they've worked for before. That I can guarantee, because there's still not many salons that are actually doing that. I think the block uh, for some owners is um, the team don't want to come here for self-development. They just want a job or, you know, and then feeling uh, self-conscious maybe about trying to do the other things outside of just business. Like some, some of us didn't sign up to own a salon to become uh, personal help gurus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, right. But I, what I we're saying that. here, what we're saying here is that like, it's not a, it's not really an optional choice if we want to still be here in three years. We need to solve this problem somehow, whether we learn it ourselves and grow our team or whether we bring somebody in or whatever the solution is. If we want to be here in the next three years, uh, we need to be listening. What Tom's saying right now, you need to be picking up what he's putting down. <laughs> business, the, the one rule I've learned in business is that you have to be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're doing today, I guarantee you will be sort will be we will have to change it and adapt it and mold it differently in two years time because it won't work. For sure. yeah. And I think that's the number one thing. That's the number, the biggest key in business is you have to be able to, I don't like the word pivot because pivot to me is saying change your business model and change your plan. I, I think this is the time to be laser focused on your plan and your mission. Um, but I think adaptability is very much paramount. Even it's a marriage we've been able to be laser focused. Um, and I think with the new generations coming through, it's only going to get harder. I promise this. It will only get harder. I'm 32 now. When I'm 42, I'm going to find this a lot harder than what I'm finding now because there'll be another generational gap. So you need people around you that you can know, trust and believe in to be able to articulate what's coming through to feed you that and then for you to use that to create a different business model or a different plan going forward. Um, and I, I think once again, to link back to education, that's really a big, big part of it. Yeah. And who you surround yourself with, I think was the other message there. Let's talk a little bit about innovation. I'm really uh, intrigued on this uh, conversation because people don't talk about it a lot. Um, but yeah, talk to me about this. Why is this so important? So innovation can cover pretty much every single part of life and business, I believe. Um, I think with the new generations coming through, it's very different to generations of days gone by. And I think the new generations get absolutely slaughtered for it, which I think is unfair. I think that the whole, oh, they don't want to work 45 hours a week or they won't stay back for the extra four hours unpaid. And do you know what? They bloody shouldn't have to. Like they should be paid for what they're working for. I was an apprentice. Well, I've been doing hairdressing in what, 12, maybe 13. Yeah, 12, 13 years. I used to work 60 hours a week as an apprentice and then go to TAFE one day a week. Don't tell me that is a better way of what we're doing now. It definitely isn't. Like I got paid crap money for ridiculous hours. And I got treated like shit. That was just the acceptable norm back then. That's not what this industry should be about. We should be paying people to train. I genuinely believe that. And people go, well, that's unfair. We're putting money into their education, but then also paying them for the time. That's just what the acceptable mold is right now. It's just what it is. It's called reality. We have to understand it because you're you're never going to beat reality you can argue with it but you'll always be wrong for sure yeah for sure and i think 
those that haven't adapted argue it because it doesn't fit the business model. You haven't created the framework inside of the finances, for example, to make room for that. Your prices aren't right, all of the other things are wrong, so you're feeling the pain. So we need to adapt, right? Exactly right. Um, <clears throat> we, not, this isn't across all three salons, because like I said, there's three business partners. We all run our salons slightly differently. It's all under the same brand, but we do have our different ways of doing things. So <clears throat> pre-COVID um, and post-COVID, all of my staff only work four days. Um, I think a four day working week is the most productive for a hairdresser. And I, I think I've got proof in the pudding of that. If you look at figures, rebooking figures, KPIs, everything like that. Since we've gone to four days, everything's increased. Um, whether it's because clients feel that there isn't a, enough opportunity to get in, even though they're all still working 38 hours, it's more maybe a subliminal message that's being sent through the client's head. Um, but everyone just work, works four days a week. Um, I've, I've adapted something from um, a salon in Sydney as well called Bixie Colour. Uh, the lady who owns Bixie, she fascinates me because she's always doing something very, very different. And I love, I love people like that. So she came up with this method of just block booking big colour jobs charging a premium for the entire time but block booking the entire thing and not seeing your little tint in the middle or your men's haircut or anything like that so we've adapted that in the windsor salon as well now which is work to treat because when you're charging someone 600 dollars or 650 dollars for a color correction and let's be honest we're going to get a lot more of those with what we've just been sure. through <laughs> like a for lot sure. i've seen some incredible attempts it's been amazing <laughs> but with, with that that's been going on if you're dedicating three and a half hours of your time to someone who's paying $600, that is worth every cent that way. If you're squeezing in a haircut in the middle of that and you're getting an apprentice or another employee to check how your foils are going or how your balayage is going, it doesn't feel luxurious. And if you're charging that much, it needs to feel luxurious. So we've adopted that now. Um, <clears throat> we've, with the innovation side of things again, I think what we do with our staff is innovative from the moment they enter the business to the moment they leave the business. We, we, will, we don't grow people with the expectation of them staying with us forever. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> staff leave. Like, <clears throat> I was a staff member, I wanted to own a business. I was always going to leave. It's the same with other staff and people need to understand this, is that because you want to build a business and you want this and you want that, doesn't mean everyone else is gonna buy into it on the same level as what you have. People want their own thing to build. Uh, so we actually set people up to do that. Um, we always say there's opportunity for anyone who wants to own a salon within Ruby Hair Group. We'll back you in. If you want to come on board with us, we can help you. And we can financially help you, structurally help you, policy procedures, everything like that. Or if you want to do it on your own, we'll show you how to do it. Like You can't be so obsessed with losing a staff member and losing clients. If you're good enough, it doesn't hurt you. You can rebuild that. Like you can attract the right person to fill that void. You should, everyone's so obsessed with, oh, my staff member's leaving and taking the clients over. So what? Like, I really don't get why it's that much of an issue. Like if that staff member's making you, on average, a good staff member will make you around 220,000, 250,000 a year, right? In, ter in terms of turnover. If you don't have a business model that can replace that within 12, 12 months, you haven't got a good business model. You need something where you're already prepared to lose staff. At the minute, I think with the three teams we've got, it is the best 
we might ever have actually i think with the quality of work that knocks out i think it might be the best we ever have it's going to be very hard to replicate this financially i can do it quality of work takes a while but financially we can do it but that's come from us driving the fact that we are very happy just to build them up as high as they want to go and we'll give them every single opportunity we can um, to do it we are very much under the impression we work for our staff not the other way around and i think that's the key point to all of this is that we think about our roles very differently um we are and this is not coming from an ego point of view but we are very very good leaders we we lead our teams properly we we enjoy it more than anything like i love leading my team day to day um and because of that <clears throat> and all the other practices we put in place innovation is just a key part to our day-to-day -day being inside the salon i think um the the day that my business changed and transformed for the better was the day that my mindset switched that my client was no longer my client hairy client my clients were my team yeah. and that mindset allowed me to uh transform my business i think uh because they really are you know, if McDonald's has burgers, hairdressers have teams. Yeah. You know, like what is the commodity that you're actually selling? You're actually selling yes. human hours to do beautiful hair, right? So, um, yeah, well said. I love this. Um, and I also love that you touched on that, you know, all staff members are going to leave and we should send them off with a beautiful farewell saying, thank you for being part of my life. Go and have an amazing next part of the journey. I think it's, it's a false economy to want to have the perfect team and keep them close and keep them forever because we're always going to be disappointed. And you know what? Sometimes you can get into a rut with your staff. Sometimes it's been so good for so long. You need that little kick up the arse with a couple of them leaving that are high achievers for you to reassess everything. It's, yep. You've got a class that is exciting. It is fun. When you have to, when you've got your back against the wall, I genuinely believe that's when you get the best out of people. Yep. When you're really going, right, how am I going to do this? And you don't have time to analyze the data. You don't have time to write a business model. You don't have time for all of this. You have to think on your feet. I really think the best moments in business come from that point yeah, that point sure. of insecurity that point of not oh, knowing what you're yeah 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 exactly <laughs> couldn't put it by myself that point of oh shit what am i going to do next yeah um, i think and that's that's why i've that's why i've really enjoyed the last eight weeks because it has been even though financially we were always going to be fine i'm a doomsdayer so i've prepped for a gfc <laughs> for two years i thought it was going to happen i didn't think it was going to happen like this but I thought something was going to happen. So we made sure in every business account, we had a certain amount of money that we knew if things went tits up, we had three months worth of wages, rent and everything like that covered and we wouldn't be stressed, um, yeah. which has put us in a really, really good financial place going forward because we are going to be able to grow our business very quickly after this because things are going to be a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. But one last thing on the innovation thing, and this is, this is the point I really, really wanted to get to was make sure the workplace that you run own or whatever your business is a safe place for all staff and what i mean by that is mentally not just physically um, we pride ourselves on making sure that our salon is a bit of a haven for our staff it's a place where they can come and unload their emotions they can talk to us literally about anything without any fear of judgment or anything like that we will help everyone through any personal problem that they have we 
more class ourselves as more of a big brother, big sister, if not parental role within the business. Uh, we want to feel that connected to our staff. I, when, when I've just had a staff member leave, um, very amicably, very, I'm gutted she's gone. She needs something different in her life. She's needed it for a couple of years. And I've spoke to her about this before. And I said, you probably need to leave and do something different, even though she's a phenomenal hairdresser, an epic friend. Like I really did not want to leave her, for her to leave us. But when, when she left, I knew that we'd done our absolute utmost in making sure that she could leave and do whatever she wanted and she knows she'd have our full support because we care that much. I just want them to be good and happy. If that's in our salon, that's phenomenal. But if it's somewhere else, then so be it, but be happy for them. So they know it's a very, very safe place in our salons. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Um, all right, being a business owner yourself, what is um, a quote or a mantra or something that keeps you sane <laughs> um, that you live by? What's something that you can share that uh, all salon owners would benefit from? So I've written down two. Now, this is actually very hard for me because I don't necessarily have a quote or mantra I live by. It's more that I like to just do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> just give everything a bloody crack. Um, I don't think any idea is necessarily a bad idea. I think you're either going to learn from it or succeed from it. Um, but I have written two down. And these are just things that I think can be uh, adapted just to day-to-day -day life, whether personally or professionally. The first one is accept reality. So reality is real. Uh, whatever you're going through, is the right thing for that particular moment in your life. Um, if you start thinking that way, everything becomes a lot clearer and difficulties in life become a lot easier to digest. So it can take the fear factor away from, for example, what we're going through right now. It can, that's why I think I'm able to look at this as an opportunity because it is real. It is what we're going through. We're not the only people. There's everyone else that's going through this as well at the same time. Mm. It's now just adapting your mindset to look at it as we could kill something big out of this. Like we could do some, make it, my, my ambition is to make a dent in the industry. Like, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that I want to make a dent. I want to make things better for the entire industry, not just the people who work for me. I, that's what I think I've been put here to do. That's what I genuinely believe. That is my role. Um, so that's my, that's my first one. Um, secondly, <clears throat> never, ever, ever hold anyone else's opinions above your own. No one, and I mean no one, can determine your path more than yourself. Um, you can be in control and believe in yourself, especially during this time once again. I have so many people in my life telling me my dreams have always been too big, um, <clears throat> won't win an award, uh, you're too passionate to educate. Uh, well, that was actually, I swear, too much to educate, which I have pulled back in because I did realise it was stunting <laughs> me slightly. <laughs> Dropping too many F-bombs during a, a seminar can hurt your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ultimately, I was told I'd never be a good leader. Um, and that, that hurt that bit when I was told I wouldn't be a good leader because that's what I thought I was. Um, and I, it took me a couple of years to understand how to block the noise out from the outside mm -hmm. and just really focus on what I believe in and what I think I should be doing. And yes, I have surrounded myself with exceptional people. I mean, 
two of my best friends in the entire world, Jules Tognini and Christian Tognini. They're two of the most humble, down-to-earth, high achievers <laughs> you could ever wish to have as friends. You know what? They're like brothers to me. They're amazing. Most of the stuff that I do now is because they were the only ones that were willing to give me a chance. Um, so you do have to surround yourself with people that you generally care about and people that generally care about you as well. Um, but if you stick to what you believe in and stick on your path and you are laser focused on something, if it fails, you don't have anyone else to blame. And I'll tell you now, that is a beautiful feeling. I promise you. It eliminates all regret. And they're the two things that I think as business owners and as people, we need to make sure we feel across the entire duration of our career, eliminating the fear and eliminating the regret. Yeah, nice. Amen. What a great way, what a great way to, <clears throat> to wrap that up. I think that's great. Um, Okay, what about uh, a book, a podcast, or someone that we should follow? What do you suggest? Uh, <laughs> I use, you know what, I don't listen to, <laughs> this is the thing, I don't listen to them. I don't. Um, I'm very much in my own head. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think I'll know that for a, a good decade or so. But I'm very <laughs> much in my own head. I, I, I look... I look on the outside. I, I never look at anyone else in the hair industry. Never. Um, because I don't think innovation comes from within the same industry. I look at other business leaders. Um, a big one for me back in the day, and I'm talking maybe about three, four years ago, before he blew up how big he is now, was Gary V. Um, so Gary Vaynerchuk, one, his, his life story is just phenomenal. But two, I really resonated with his obsession of just mm. wanting to build stuff. And I, I always thought it was a bad thing to have. That I, I, was, I was always told I'd never stick anything out, <laughs> which I probably, start, I probably actually don't do. But it, it's, I, now I've found the positive in it. So Gary Vaynerchuk was a big influence on me, listening to his podcast back in the day. Um, and then I kind of got onto a bit of Kerwin Ray stuff, a good Aussie mm -hmm. bloke. Um, yeah. He's very, very, I admire him because he's very intelligent. He yeah. has a way of breaking down certain situations in business, personally as well, that I've just never seen broken down like that before. I've seen them both live. And I'd actually say Kerwin's probably better than Gary. And I know that Kerwin based not based his whole thing, but Gary Vee was a big inspiration to Kerwin. Mm -hmm. But I think Kerwin surpassed that now. I think he's an absolute genius of a business brain. Um, he understands people. So I think if anyone is struggling at the minute, I would advise probably listening to Kerwin's podcast. Like I, said, I haven't heard much of it. I haven't listened to anything for a good four or five months. I haven't read a book in four or five months. <laughs> which I used too, to busy. too busy yeah. smashing it out. <laughs> trying to work out what actually what I want to do and what I want to be and where my next step is. But I think if people want something to listen to, that's going to be very inspirational. I'll go Kerwin Ray podcast. Amazing. Look, you've been, uh, you've just had so many truth bombs, uh, good insights, uh, good mind flipping uh, conversations. So I really appreciated everything you've had to say today. Tom, appreciate your time. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. It's been very nice. Awesome. Ciao for now. Ciao. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining me today. I do appreciate your time. I loved our chat. We'll have to have you back. Now, 
I'd like to hear from you and what your two massive takeaways were from this episode. So jump into the Salon Owners Collective Facebook group and let me know what you thought. Make sure you tag Tom. Tom, we're going to tag you and let's get chatting. Now, I want to make sure that you haven't missed out on the Salon Recover and Rebuild program. There is still time to get in and we're going to cover uh, rebuilding your business so you can attract dream clients into your business, smash sales with your team, and of course, motivate and manage uh, your wonderful team members so they can move through um, into not just recovery, but really real rebuilding, move your business forward um, and grow. So it's not too late to come and join. Send me a message. Let me know if you want to know more about it and let's have a chat. Messenger is the best way to find me. Other than that, look forward to catching up with you next week. Same time, same place. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.